You're listening to Tech Tank, a bi-weekly podcast from the Brookings Institution, exploring the most consequential technology issues of our time. From racial bias and algorithms to the future of work, Tech Tank takes big ideas and makes them accessible. Thank you for joining the Tech Tank Podcast. I am Nicole Turner-Lee, your co-host for today, and I'm excited about this episode because with the explosive popularity of ChatGPT and other generative AI technologies, the allure of the metaverse, yes, the metaverse, might seem like a receding memory. You all remember that? We talked about it for a long time. However, away from the spotlight of the public and regulators, This vision of an immersive digital reality is still being relentlessly pursued, even in the midst of these conversations around generative AI. In fact, various companies are heavily investing in and building initiatives related to AR, VR, as well as XR technologies, ranging from fashion retail to healthcare. The Japanese prime minister even hinted at a major metaverse project himself. And of course, we know that the metaverse comes from a particular company formerly known as Facebook. While the metaverse has the potential to revolutionize education, entertainment, and perhaps many other aspects of our lives, it also brings forth existing digital dilemmas, like privacy, for example, competition, misinformation, which only can escalate in this environment we have very limited guardrails on AI. And additionally, there are a host of new threats that can emerge, including concerns about the safety of children, potential harassment, discrimination and fraud, and digital larceny. In this episode, I'm excited to bring on my colleague, Tom Wheeler, who's a visiting fellow at the Brookings Institution, a colleague that sits within the Center of Technology Innovation, a former FCC chair, a historian, and more recently, the author of AI Rules for the Metaverse Are Even More Important, which you can find on the CTI webpage at the Brookings Institution. So we're going to delve into this metaverse, and we're going to delve it in in a way that we are also delving into ChatGPT and see what Tom has to say about it. And again, if you haven't read the paper, AI makes rules for the metaverse even more important. Hey, Tom, how are you? Hey, Nicole, I'm good. I think you win the prize for uh, taking a, a, a research paper and summarizing it in a couple of minutes. I know, right? Well, thank you. That's what I do. And now I need you to tell me what I said. <laughs> so let's dive right into this. You know, when you actually introduced that paper and you put it out there, it was really interesting, right? Because the conversation in the public space has been on generative AI. And I was speaking to some people not too long ago where we were like, is this a fad, you know, generative AI? And is this something that we should actually be stringing the dots when it comes to the other technologies that have come out more recent. So I want you to talk a little bit about some of the wonders and potential benefits of the metaverse. I know you have some other areas you want to chat about and really talk about, you know, what you think 
its benefit is uh, for the user and potentially for society. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Nicole, because I mean, I, I think you, you laid it out well that the metaverse was on the top of everybody's mind uh, 18 months ago. Mark Zuckerberg changed the name of his company <laughs> to reflect the fact that they wanted to be leaders in the metaverse. And then along comes uh, generative AI and, and it kind of slips into the background. And so the purpose of the paper was to say, hey, you know, um, it hasn't gone away. And as a matter of fact, if you really want to describe the metaverse, you need to be talking about the AI-enabled metaverse because the kinds of things that we're seeing in terms of generative AI and the great developments and threats that it is bringing apply to the metaverse because at the heart of the metaverse is the marriage of artificial intelligence, collected amounts of data, um, augmented reality, and virtual reality to create a new reality that mm. if you stop and think about it, the experience that all of us have had on the internet for the last several decades has been a 2D observational experience where we make a request and something comes back and we look at it. The metaverse is a 3D participatory, immersive kind of experience where you go into what is on your screen and you are personally represented by an individually identifiable avatar. And there are all kinds of exciting things that can come from that, but it, it as well as Boku new threats that can come from that. That's right. But the point of the matter is it's a whole new experience and at the heart of it is AI. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's what I like about your paper and this conversation we're having, because I think, you know, in the beginning, the metaverse was seen as an opportunity uh, for industry, right, to come and to bring people into these, I, I don't even want to say online st stores, right, but these augmented reality stores. I think Nike was an early adopter of this technology where they were getting people to try on the shoes, right, in the metaverse. Um are we going to see some of those same revolutionary opportunities for uh, these these types of industries, you know, before we delve into some of the challenges, Tom? You bet. I mean, Boeing says that they're working on designing their net their next jetliner using metaverse technology. Mm, mm. The you know you've probably all seen the ads that Meta, the company formerly known as as Facebook that Meta has been running on uh, television, online, and, and in print, where they say, here are the amazing things that you can do in the metaverse. My favorite is that medical, stu medical school students can practice their surgery on 
avatars that are absolutely real. And if the knife slips, something happens to the avatar. And I would feel much more secure knowing that (laughs) my surgeon had had that kind of practice before I became practice. But, But there's all kinds of new experiences. If we break the mindset that what being online is about is is interacting and moving towards it is about participating and being immersive inside what's going on there you can just you can just imagine what comes next yeah i mean i love the way you're talking about that because <laughs> i have to say tom when i was growing up i watched the jetsons right and a lot of the jetsons cartoon uh that some people may not remember and just for the record i was a little girl when i watched the jetsons okay <laughs> um but if you remember it was so immersive george jetson was in an autonomous vehicle his wife betty was looking in the mirror and immersed with her hairdresser who had her Bun, very perfect. Their food, you know, it was like you were there, but you were behind a television set at least. To nowadays, it seems to your point, what started out as a conceptual framework for bolstering industry in certain sectors of industry who need people to experience their product, we're now moving into these uh, verticals like healthcare. I've seen examples of the metaverse and education, job training, that kind of stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, are there any behavioral rules, though, for the use of the metaverse? Are we also going to see it? Man, I want to hold back, Tom. I don't want to go into those dangers yet. Help me, help me, help me, because we always put the pessimism on top of technology. Let's start with those advantages, right? Are there going to be new behavioral rules that exist in the metaverse that will guide some of these uh, positive displays that we're talking about. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, Nicole, you make a you make a very good point that the natural tendency is to start talking about the negatives. But you know, we all know that that there is a Janus effect with everything in life. There are there are good things that bring with them problems as well. And 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 this is no different. You know, the the, the, the internet was to democratize uh, the, the ideas of speech and connect people who had never been connected before. And it has evolved to do that as well as a lot of other not so attractive things. And, and, and so we would be naive to ignore that kind of lesson. Um, when we talk about what's coming next, I don't care whether it's the metaverse or chat GPT or whatever the case uh, may be, um, uh, we, need to, we need to say, okay, what have I learned thus far and how do I apply those learnings to what's happening next? Let me, let me just create a concept for you here for a yes. second. Yes. So, so we all understand social media. We're all on social media. Um, the metaverse is virtual social media so that you are inside interacting in real time with avatars representing other real time, real people. Um, and, and all of the things that 
the good things that come with social media and the bad things that come with social media can happen again in the metaverse. And so the question I ask in the paper is, well, wait a minute. I thought the difference between man and animals was that man learned from his experience. And, and, and how can we learn from our experience thus far in the connected world to apply it to, the, uh, to, to what's coming with the metaverse? And yes. the response, the response that, that, that gets, I think, too often thrown up is, oh, we got time. That's right. The metaverse isn't here yet. It's, it's coming and we got plenty of time to work it out. And, and, and what the paper suggests is, no, we don't. Because first, we have to solve the realities we're dealing with today. Yes, yes. And if we can't solve those, we can't, we, we, we can't address the problems that will be built on top of those problems. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And it's something that you said that is interesting at the beginning of this conversation that we think of the metaverse as something in isolation, not connected to artificial intelligence systems, not able to embed, you know, in the future, things like uh, generative AI. I love what you're talking about, right? Because technically the metaverse is operated and, and running off of AI-enabled uh, technologies. So we already know that those have challenges. Talk to us a little bit about what those challenges are specifically. Because um, I know you mentioned in the paper, privacy is one, surveillance. Let's start with each one at a time, Tom, right? Let's talk about the privacy concerns. Well, let's just, okay, so, so, you know, so today in the social media experience, we have no privacy. Um, everything about us is uh, collected, uh, manipulated, and monetized. And, um, and this is just from our clicks and where we go on the web or even where we're going physically. But now stop and think about what happens when you put on a pair of metaverse goggles, which by the way, will soon be uh, glasses and some even predict contact lenses. So you are not gonna have this bulky thing on your head anymore. But one of the things that, that it will do is it will read your biometric data. How are your eyes behaving? You know, there are all kinds of, when I got into this topic, I was fascinated by the, by the uh, studies that have been done about how eye movement indicates what people are feeling and how you can use eye movement to manipulate people. And, and so um, if the outfit, the company that is, that is running the particular metaverse platform that you're on, not only knows all the traditional stuff that we know today, but also can track your emotions through your eye movements, can measure your perspiration, knows your heartbeat, and all of a sudden, your 
the information that is collected about you is not just what you do, it is who you are. And we have done a terrible job in protecting information about what we do on the internet. And the question I ask in the paper is, have we learned that we need to be going ahead and thinking about how do we protect even more delicate information, more revealing information, the ultimate in personal information, who we are. Because remember those avatars right, that right. are representing us in the network. Nicole's avatar is different from Tom's avatar. That's right. And, and, um, and we need to come to grips with this now and not just say, well, we'll, we will, this, this, we'll deal with this down the road. No, this is coming. We need to be preparing for it now. And the fact that we haven't dealt with it in its rudimentary form, i.e. clicks, really <laughs> ought to be a warning to us about what we need to be thinking about going forward with the metaverse. And that's what I think, you know, you draw out really well in the paper and, and all the years I've known you, Tom, when you start thinking about this juxtaposition of privacy, competition, um, previous work you've done on content moderation. My question is, if we know these things are unsettled, but yet, you know, how do I put it? Immersive technologies tend to be seen as more Sesame Street, <laughs> like mom and apple pie stuff. You know, they sort of remind us that technology is a low barrier to entry. When I uh, first learned about augmented reality, very, very much in the early days when the first glasses came out, it was all about bringing kids from urban areas into opportunities they could never experience in their communities. Sort of this like feel good moment. But to your point, we're finding out that even with the benefits of social media, uh, there are some consequential actions and outcomes. My question to you is, will everybody else see it that way? <laughs> or is the metaverse, and, and that's why I love when you sent the paper over, you're like, everybody's talking about chat GBT. I want to remind you that there's also a metaverse, right? That is enabled by AI. What is it that we should be doing to sort of raise attention around these particular concerns that you're highlighting? And how do we inform people who are going to think, hey, this is the next best thing to put, you know, to give as a gift or to put under the tree? How do we inform people about some of these um, harms that you're sort of sharing that have trickled throughout the whole tech ecosystem? Well, the difficulty is that um, we have allowed the companies providing the services to make the rules about how those services interact with us, <clears throat> manipulate us, capture our personal information, and, and monetize it. And at some point in time, I mean, we've seen this before. This is, a, this is not a unique experience. We saw in, for instance, the industrial era, how the new technologies of, you know, the railroad, for instance, made possible industrialization, great growth 
put food on the table that people could afford that was never available to them before. What a great breakthrough. But at the same point in time, brought with it all kinds of abusive practices um, for workers, for consumers, for the ability of there to be an effective competitive marketplace. And the government stepped in and said, time out. We need to establish behavioral expectations that will counterbalance, not destroy, counterbalance the benefits of the technology and all the benefits that it brings. And we're at that kind of historic point right now. The concern is that we have failed to step up to that for the last several decades of the development of the web. And we need to break that pattern. You know, there's an interesting op-ed in the New York Times today, and we're recording this on the 27th of July. Mm-hmm. Interesting uh, uh, op-ed in the New York Times today written by Elizabeth Warren and Lindsey Graham, two wow. United States senators that are about on opposite ends of the political spectrum, who have joined together to introduce a new piece of legislation calling for the creation of a digital oversight agency that can say, how do we balance all the benefits and at the same time protect the public without crushing innovation and investment in the process? And what we need is that kind of new thinking applied to uh, the metaverse. And what really gets me go is when you hear people like Mark Zuckerberg, who I have a great deal of respect for, when you hear people like Mark Zuckerberg saying, oh, we've got plenty of time to figure this out. <laughs> In right. his analyst call this week with his investors, he talked about how he spent almost $4 billion, with a B, $4 billion in the last three months on metaverse development projects. And he expects to spend more for the rest of the year. So we're looking at one company who's probably going to put $20 billion into building something. And when you're building it, you not you need to be thinking not just of the technology, but let's also start anticipating the effects of that technology and how do we make sure the public is protected in that. And his answer to that is, oh, well, no, we got plenty of time. I disagree. We don't have time. You know, and I, I really think that what you're outlining is so important for this audience that we have here at Tech Tank to understand, because when you think about billions of dollars in investment, you know, coupled with um, this new idea from Warren and Graham around the digital agency, something that you've also spoken about. So glad to hear that. Right. You know that the return on investment or the payback of these billions of dollars in investment is going to be in ads. And that's something, at least in my work, I've thought of the metaverse as sort of this amplified advertisement space. And I'm curious to hear from you, when you start to hear about these returns, companies being able to advertise, are you also 
raising more eyebrows outside of the two that you have, Tom, right? When it comes to expanded surveillance, data collection, uh, the use of that data in the third party market. I mean, what comes to mind in terms of how he's going to recoup that money that's being spent in the metaverse? Well, he's saying, uh, and and again, Mark Zuckerberg, we, we don't want to just pick on Mark, but he is a he is an incredible visionary, and and um, and he um, has been the leading spokesman um, on uh, on the metaverse, and and he's been very frank in saying. No, I think that we're going to end up being a place where where there are financial transactions that take place that we get a part of. You know, so if you want to be the surgeon practicing, this is what it's going to cost you. If you want to build a virtual community. Um, and and you, you and we've already seen this in gaming. You can buy real estate, you can buy clothing, property, bags, um, and um, and that um, that this is going to be far more than an advertising driven business. It is going to create a new marketplace that is not defined by the expectations of the physical marketplace that we've seen heretofore, which of course raises a fascinating question that again, we ought to be dealing with now. So let's say, so there was, so somebody paid $41,000 for a Gucci bag um, in a video game a while ago. That's right. It wasn't me, Tom. I would have loved to, but it was not me. Well, you know, I I, I, <laughs> I won't make comments about about knockoff Gucci bags, but the um, but they but but if that bag is stolen, what? So 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 first of all, you haven't bought a bag. You bought an assembly of zeros and ones, digital information assembled to look like a bag. But it's not a bag. What what happens when it's stolen and taken to another metaverse? There have actually been experiences like that. Where was a there was a, a court case in the Netherlands where some young kids uh, hacked a video game um, and ended up stealing um, uh, items and and were convicted for theft. Can you steal something that doesn't exist? Or let's go to the next the next step, you know, um, <clears throat> call to action and all these exciting video games, which are not the metaverse because they're not immersive. You're not in there. You're manipulating folks, but it's not you identified as you. They're killing people right and left. So if I kill somebody in the metaverse, I am killing an individually identified person. But that person really doesn't exist. What do I do? How do we develop community standards? And I'm fascinated by what's been going on at Reddit lately, where they have been having challenges saying, how do we improve and expand upon the community governance of Reddit, which is right. old style, 2D uh, uh, interaction among people. 
And, and they've been having an awful time doing that. And I keep thinking, oh my goodness, if this is how hard it is to figure out how to develop community standards about text on the screen, how are you going to develop community standards about, about individually identifiable uh, people uh, uh, created uh, in, an, in an immersive uh, metaverse? And, and my only point is, I don't have the answers. That's right. That's but I right. just think we got to start saying, what's the search for those answers? That's right. And I think it's like in, in the conversations that I've seen on the metaverse, there's like this one vertical, which is on the technical cadence, right? How do you actually uh, make sure individuals know that their avatar is maximized for them. And then you have like, I think there's a researcher that speaks about bystander effects, right? People who happen to be in your screenshot at the time. And then the other technical side of it that Dr. Rashawn Ray and I are working on is how do you ensure that the lived experiences of a variety of communities are played out? But what you're saying too is there is this imaginative portion of the metaverse where you can be somebody that you're not, or you can create people that do not exist because the metaverse in its immersiveness is really perhaps focused on the experience versus the people. So I like that thread and I want to sort of stick to that. And I think the other thing that I've heard around the metaverse outside of the technical cadence is this idea of societal compliance or societal norms and the extent to which there will be things that happen in the metaverse that are not simply allowable, right, in um, real world. So one example I heard was kind of explicit and graphic, but I'll share it, was groping, right, where there were instances in the early versions of the metaverse where people were being groped uh, by these avatars, something that we would not see in public or we would not not condone in public. It would be a violation of one's personal space. My point is, to what extent are we going to see these types of uh, antisocial behaviors show up in the metaverse? Hate speech, misinformation, uh, inappropriate activity. Um, and, and I'm really curious, as you talk about that discrimination, another thing, how that's going to impact much like we've seen in social media, the lowest common denominator with our, which are young people who are going to have a propensity to jump into the metaverse for a variety of reasons. So just curious, like what you're thinking, like what are the antisocial things that are the no-nos physically that will show up in the metaverse? And then how is that going to impact some of our most vulnerable populations like children who don't quite get that these rules are not allowable? Well, Absence, absent a set of guidelines or guardrails that say this is what is permissible. Um, we're going to see everything. You know, you know, Nicole, I, I can't walk up to you on the street and punch you in the nose. Um, yeah, I hope you wouldn't because that physically, would be a fight. Physically, Look, it's possible. <laughs> right. it's possible to do it. Right, right. But it is, but it is not acceptable. Exactly. And there are consequences <laughs> of doing that. That's right. We have not established for the two D web, let alone the three D metaverse, what are acceptable behaviors and the consequences for them not being. I talk in the paper about 
a young 14-year-old woman in the UK who committed suicide and the coroner ruled that she was driven to commit suicide by her use of social media and how it had manipulated her, shamed her, etc., and showed her how suicide is a great solution. And, um, and, and again, that is something that is occurring um, on an observational platform, not a participatory platform. We do, I just I go back to a simple message, Nicole. We don't have a long time. Oh, relax. We'll take care of this when the metaverse is more widespread. No, we can't wait. We need to establish what are the principles where society says this is what is acceptable and this is not. And it starts with what is the acceptable invasion of privacy? And it goes to what is acceptable manipulation of individuals based on that private information that was gathered. And that goes to what is the acceptable manipulation of the market because these are the larger companies that have the capabilities to do this and will further entrench themselves and their set of rules in the in the marketplace and that then leads to and what is the acceptable level of information i mean it's one thing to say here's fake news right right else to say i'm going to put you into an environment that that um that is fake but is real in terms of your participation. And that's right. And and we haven't dealt with these questions well um in the in the 2D uh yeah. Yeah. Re- relationship with our screens. And we'd better get to come to grips with how we're going to deal going forward. And so my point isn't let's slow down, let's stop them. No. Let's let the metaverse, the great things that it can deliver, go ahead. But let's establish what are we, what do we stand for in that kind of new environment? And what are the societal rules? Well, Tom, you know, as we sort of get to a close here, I mean, I'm so fascinated by what we're talking about because in many respects, it kind of goes back to the point of your paper, which is these unsettled concerns that we have around, you know, other technologies that are either adjacent to the metaverse or empowering the metaverse or not the metaverse at all, but are their own technologies with their own set of similar solution uh, challenges and potential solutions. It seems to me on the policy front, right, that we probably will have the same stalemate on this as we have with other uh, technologies. Um, And I'm more interested in the fact that from a policy perspective, because the metaverse can enable so much more like generative AI within the context of immersive experiences, it may be even harder to regulate. So I'm curious from you, I mean, thinking about those challenges and complexities, you know, everything from, you know, retailers using the metaverse and what is assigned property right, the financial transactions you talked about 
the fraud, the societal um, nuances that go against the grain of acceptable behavior. I mean, listen, I don't know what to do with this. Seriously, I was on a panel the other day and I told somebody, this is one of those spaces where you feel sort of extended in a in a immersive state yourself <laughs> as a policymaker because the issues are so complex and hard. So what would you say to policymakers? I mean, I get it. Community standards are one thing. Having some appropriate guardrails are another. But what do those look like? And what can policymakers do in the short term and potentially the long term to either apply them directly to the metaverse, you know what I mean, or apply it to the AI ecosystem in general that will, you know, affect or touch upon what we've got to see in the metaverse? Well, this is a topic for another podcast. But because no, it, it, as it, I was it, talking, I was thinking that I was on, like, <laughs> we could go on and, 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 you know, while we're doing commercials here, I've got a new book coming out from Brookings in October called Tech Lash, colon, who makes the rules in the digital gilded age. And it has specific proposals. Yes. For how we address, address that. But, but in, in, in summary, um, our challenge is that we look at 21st century technologies, define them in 20th century terms, and propose 19th century solutions. And we've got to break that kind of a model. We need to have collective oversight of we the people acting through their representatives that um, that doesn't come in and micromanage what innovators are doing but is agile enough to uh, adjust as new developments happen and establishes what are the basic ground rules. Heretofore, we have allowed the innovators to make the rules. And, you know, nobody's repealed the law of human nature. The, the innovators make the rules in a way that favors themselves. How did we get to the privacy invasion that is now commonly accepted? Um, it wasn't something that we, the people, sought. And so we need to have a, a, a new reality where we can quit defining tomorrow and today in terms of what we knew yesterday and create a new form of governmental oversight that is agile enough to reflect the constant technological changes and is is encouraging of investment and innovation not discouraging and those are things that require us to totally think anew and that's one of the great things about what brookings does and what your operations does um uh, nicole is to say okay what are some of the ideas? Because doing things the way we did them yesterday is just an excuse for not thinking. 
Yeah, thank you for that shout out. And, you know, again, Tom, I appreciate the time with you always. I've known Tom for quite some time. It's always great to have a a one-on-one conversation with you. And this issue is just way too important and it's very timely. So I want to thank you for coming on. And I agree with you. There's a lot more work to be done, but I think we have some idea of what we need to get started with so that we are not necessarily treating this as... um, a big package idea that requires a lot more thought because more people are being harmed in the process. So thank you, Tom. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Nicole. Yes, we are going to have Tom back. And yes, he is the author of a new book coming from Brookings Press, Tech Lash, Who Makes the Rules in the Digital Gilded Age? So Tom, you better come back and talk about that book. I'll (laughs) be back. I know you will. I know you will. You have listened to the latest episode of Tech Tank. If you want to find more information about the topic that we discussed, please go to the CTI website at the Brookings Institution, where you'll find Tom's paper, AI Makes Rules for the Metaverse Even More Important. We appreciate you listening to the Tech Tank podcast, where we take big bits and we make them into palatable bites so that you can understand some of the very complex and complicated issues affecting the technology world. I'm Nicole Turner-Lee, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Tech Tank, a series of roundtable discussions and interviews with technology experts and policymakers. For more conversations like this, subscribe to the podcast and sign up to receive the Tech Tank newsletter for more research and analysis from the Center for Technology Innovation at Brookings.